Um, I'm going to read our scripture uh, lesson for today, and this comes uh, from the book of 1 Kings. So let us hear God's word together. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except that he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the principal high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings at that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I should give to you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Although I am only a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil, for who can govern this great people of yours? It pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this. God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, I now do according to your word. Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you has been before you and no one like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor all your life. No other king shall compare to you. If you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your life. The word of God for the people of God. Uh, sometimes at the beginning of the service when we talk about being inclusive and everyone is welcome here in this space, and uh, today we also want to say for those of you who have ever been to uh, a big music festival? Has anyone ever been to a big music festival, like Lollapalooza, for example, or Coachella, or anything like that at all? A few people are kind of raising their hands, like very gingerly, yes. So uh, you are welcome. And for those of you who would not come within 10 miles of a music festival, uh, you are welcome also in this space. So I. Uh, went to one of these festivals just on Friday. I went to Riot Fest uh, on the west side of the city. I was talking to uh, Holly Katz a few weeks ago about this, and she lifted it up, and I thought about it. I'd gone to Lollapalooza maybe 10 years or so ago. So when I looked at Friday, and I thought, you know, actually, I know a few of these bands, uh, including Foo Fighters was the big uh, headliner, uh, and so I thought, I think I'm going to go. now. When I saw all of the bands and everything, and I saw the schedule, what kicked into my mind, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but what kicked into my mind, like, okay, we need a plan. So I looked at all the different bands. So there are five stages at Riot Fest. So all different bands are playing, sometimes simultaneously. So they are playing, 
And so, like I said, I knew about five or six of the, I don't know, 20 some odd bands that were playing. So not only like, all right, we need a plan of like when to go where, how long to be at each stage, and I need to create a Spotify list so that I can listen to all of the bands so that I know, so I'm not just some 55-year-old dad standing there in the midst of all these other people like, hey, I know the songs, so, you know, just like the rest of you. <laughs> so I have this in my mind of like, all right, this is the way it's going to go, and this time, and boom, 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 and my wife has been married to me long enough, she knows that's kind of the way I am, and she just kind of rolls with that. So we got there, and it's just like this sea of humanity, and I kind of knew in my head, yeah, that schedule I don't think is gonna work. <laughs> so I just kind of did away with it and said, just go with it. Just enjoy what's happening, not just the music, but also the people watching, uh, all kinds of people watching, uh, and we had a great day. I don't know if some of you are kind of like that. Some of you may, when you vacation, you have everything planned out to a T, and some of you are just like, hey, doesn't matter, we'll just, as long as we have a place to stay, let's go as the spirit leads. So I think perhaps we are all on that spectrum. But we all have ways that we make decisions about what we are going to see and how we are going to do it and maybe what you're going to eat at a certain restaurant. Whatever you do, whenever you travel, you have ways of doing that. We all make decisions differently. We're wired in certain ways. So today, we are talking a little bit about how we make decisions, or another way of saying it, we want wisdom. Last week, we were talking uh, about uh, certain things. I talked about my handy dictionary of theological terms, and that dictionary defines wisdom as knowledge of what is good and true. Knowledge of what is good and true. I think we all would love a little bit of that knowledge of what is good and true. So we're in the midst of this sermon series, we're talking about what does it mean to be human, particularly as we think about all of the conversations that are happening in our culture about AI, and how are we similar, perhaps, or how are we different? What makes us us? What differentiates us from all the different ways that we get or use AI in our lives? So today, we're asking the question, does AI have wisdom? Does AI have wisdom? And then we also think about ourselves. What makes us wise? What gives us that same kind of wisdom, that same kind of knowledge of what is good and what is true? So when we talk about wisdom in the Bible, if you ever uh, go into a concordance perhaps, or if you use some kind of search engine and you type in wisdom, wisdom is in the scriptures a lot. It shows up quite a bit. And so when you think about figures and it comes to wisdom, Solomon might be somebody who comes to mind. And that's what we are reading today in our passage. We didn't read uh, this particular story, but you may know the story, the story that comes after what I read today. You may know the story of Solomon and these two women come to him. Do we know this story? So these two women come to him. They both lived in the same house. They both had children at the same time. Tragically, for one of the women, her baby died in the middle of the night. So she took her child and switched it with the other woman who had had a child as well. So the woman who had the switch happen to her complained, they went to Solomon and they said, Solomon, what are we gonna do about this? And so Solomon, of course, had this kind of radical way of deciding this, this wisdom, and said, we're going to split the child in two. 
And so the woman whose mother this living child was protested and said, no, don't do that. Let the baby live. Let the other woman have her. And the woman who had stolen the baby said, yes, let's divide the child. And so Solomon knew then, all right, I know who the mother is. And then in verse 28, this is not what we read today, but later on in this chapter, it says, all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered. And they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to execute justice. Solomon, wisdom. Just today, I was starting on the crossword puzzle that I do on Sundays and uh, said another word for Solomon. I'm like, this is the Holy Spirit, even in my crossword puzzle. And sage was the answer for that. So all these things we hear about wisdom. And in fact, this prayer that Solomon prays in verses 6 through 9 is really kind of a model prayer. It acknowledges God's grace. It recognizes I am unworthy of God's favor. And then it asks for God's gift of wisdom so that he can carry out his duty as a ruler. So many might say, yes, Solomon is so wise. And he gives us this wonderful prayer to pray. However, however, Solomon is not perfect. And we see this even in the passage that we read today. The Torah, for example, had opposed marriages with foreigners because they feared that alliances would cause the people to turn the people away from the Lord. So I don't know if you caught this. At the very beginning of this passage today, we read, Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Solomon is going against what the Torah says. Also, in Deuteronomy, it says a king must not cause the people to return to Egypt, and Solomon seems to be doing just that. Solomon puts building his own house before building the temple. So these and other policies would later devastate Israel. There's a well-known biblical scholar named Walter Brueggemann who says, the economics of affluence and the politics of oppression are the most characteristic marks of the Solomonic achievement. So, we think wisdom, Solomon. Remember that prayer? Remember the two women and the babies? But then if we continue to read and realize Solomon was imperfect. The wisdom that he bestowed wasn't always so wise. So, we might ask ourselves, if we hold Solomon to be this pillar of wisdom, but he is not that pillar, perhaps, is it possible for humans to truly make wise decisions. And so then we might think to ourselves, maybe AI isn't so bad after all. If we're nervous about going to AI for knowledge or wisdom, but then we see humans are so imperfect, as we see in the passage today, let's give AI another chance, perhaps. Well, maybe you have had your own experiences of AI. Uh, one I mentioned last week, perhaps, that uh, often comes up is that little Siri for those of us who have uh, iPhones. And this happened to me many years ago. My daughter played volleyball, and so she was going to a tournament early, early one morning. So I took her to the tournament. So it was going to be a couple of hours before she played her first match. So I decided to drive and go for breakfast. And so on my way, I said, hey, Siri, directions to the closest coffee shop. Hey, Siri, directions to the closest coffee shop. So I thought I was pretty clear in what I said, but Siri didn't hear that. So I said, Siri, directions to closest coffee shop. Siri dropped the D on directions 
So I'll let you sound that out in your head for a moment. To the closest coffee shop. And so, I kid you not, then Siri started to locate this for me. And it started to suggest Amsterdam. I'm not making this up. So then it starts doing its Siri thing. It says, here in Amsterdam is where you want to go for the closest coffee shop. Not directions, but drop the D and you get where I'm going with this. And so I realize that uh, maybe AI, perhaps, you may have had your own experiences with AI as well where AI isn't always perfect. And sometimes it can be funny and lighthearted like that, but other times we see it actually can be harmful when we depend on AI too much. There was an article in a magazine that I read called The Christian Century, and it noted that as long as AI is trained on human behavior, it tends to replicate our worst flaws. So it takes the example of medical racism and sexism when training data means even our most sophisticated bots share human doctors' tendency to misdiagnose women and people of color. So here's one example. A 2019 study finds, found that a clinical algorithm used in many hospitals required that black patients have to be much sicker than white patients in order to be recommended for the same level of care because it used data indicating that black patients had less money to spend on care. So even when those problems are corrected and new guardrails are put into place, self-teaching AI seems to be able to find patterns in the data that elude our own pattern-detecting capabilities. The author said, what I fear is that when AI becomes truly superhuman, it will be because it perfected the ability to act just like us at our worst. So where do we get wisdom? Is it out of our own imperfections? Is it out of AI? Or does wisdom have to be perfect at all? So often we want just that one right answer. We want that one right thing to do. We want to make sure we are following along the correct path, the path that God wants us to follow down. But maybe there is beauty in imperfect wisdom. I was listening to a podcast uh, uh, this week, one of my favorites. Some of you may listen to This American Life. It's also on uh, NPR. And so the show or the episode a couple of weeks ago looked at one of the most intractable problems that we have in our society right now. When we think about we need wisdom in order to solve this particular problem, and it looked at the issue of heroin addiction. And it did so in a way of focusing only on one call. That was the name of the episode. It was just, I think it was just called The Call. And so it took a look at a particular organization uh, called Never Use Alone. Never Use Alone is really an 800 number. And you can call it any time if you are going to take uh, heroin or any other kind of drug. And someone gets on the line with you as you take the drugs so that if something happened to you, someone is on the other line and can call an ambulance if something happens to you. And so it started with this one call, this one woman named Jessie, who was one of the counselors, and then another one, young woman named Kimber, who called in to the number because she was about to take drugs. And so as I was listening to this, I was just had so many different mixed feelings and emotions about this. 
So as Kimber called in, and Jessie, who is the person who is receiving the call, she has this really lovely, thick Georgia drawl. And it was almost like this young woman was calling in to get her favorite recipe for chocolate chip cookies. She was just so full of warmth and welcome and almost happiness. And it sounded so weird for this woman who was about to do heroin as Jesse was on the line. And as I'm listening to this, all kinds of things are going on in my head. I'm like, this doesn't seem right. And that was part of my own upbringing, just say no, you know, all of these things. How could we be condoning this kind of behavior? It was like the first thing that started popping up in my own mind. But then I continued to listen to the program. And then I started to realize, what is the Between, between me and her because we were always so incredibly close. And when I realized, all right, we're this up, you got to find a different way. You got to do something else because this right here is not working. Over the years, Jesse's watched Kaylin go back and forth. She'll have months of sobriety, then return to use. Kaylin's been picked up by the cops, had her photo posted on the local police department's Facebook page. While I was visiting, Jesse called Kaylin up. Kaylin said she'd come by to talk, but she never showed. I think Kaylin's part of why Jesse takes so many of these never use alone calls. It's people like her daughter on the other end. She told me as much. I didn't want her to die. This whole thing is about this whole, every, 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 every thing I do is about her not dying. About her not dying. Then about her and her homie not dying, and then about her and her homie and their homies dying, and now it's about the entire town not dying. The thing that struck me about that is Jesse is just struggling so much about making the wise decision, the right, the quote unquote, the right decision for her daughter. She tried confronting her, 
she tried fighting with her, all of these things, and they didn't work. They just drove each other farther apart. And she didn't know what to do. She finally realized at the end, I just don't want her to die. I want her to have life. And so whenever somebody calls now, and Jesse welcomes them into this space on the phone, that is on her mind. I don't want you to die. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to try to talk you out of this right now. I just want you to live. That's my only thing that I've got going on here. And Jesse, I don't think, knows if this is the right or wrong thing. But the thing about imperfect wisdom or making the quote-unquote right thing to do, I think beyond that is, what is our motive in doing the right thing? For Jesse, I think it's love. She is going to do everything she can so that the people call her live. That's what she desires for them. She doesn't always know if she's going to say the right thing, but she knows she's tenacious at making sure that these people know there's someone in this world right now who is here for you and who loves you. And that is the thing that drives their decision-making, her decision-making. So when we try to decide for ourselves, what is the wise thing to do here? I think perhaps before we go down that path, we might ask ourselves, what is the path of love here? What is the thing I most desire for myself? What is the thing I most desire for someone else? Is it out of love? Is it out of life? And if that's the case, friends, I hate to break it to you, we're all going to make wrong decisions from time to time. It's part of being human. And perhaps sometimes we might lie awake at night thinking, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. Am I making someone else disappointed? Am I making God disappointed? But if our hearts are in a place of desiring love and life for ourselves or for someone else, and we go down that path, friends, I think that is the wise thing to do. And we draw on the love and the life that God wants for us. We can set up all of the different rubrics in our life, thinking to ourselves, this is the perfect schedule to follow. This is the time I must allot to all of these things. I'm weighing the pros and cons. I've made it a kind of list. We can do all of those things. But if it's not done out of love, I don't know if it makes much sense. In your heart, if we want love and life for someone else and for ourselves, and then make decisions out of that, I think that's the wise thing to do. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks for the ways that you move in our lives. You have blessed us with minds to think for ourselves. At times we choose so well and we bring joy to ourselves and to others. At times we confess we make really lousy decisions. But we offer all of this up to you. And we pray that we do it with hearts of love. And we pray that you would work in our lives to maybe forgive and fix, but keep us on that path of love so that we can find life for others. And all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.